Good morning, church. This past Wednesday, uh, our director of spiritual formation, Ruth, led a group of us through something called the Peace Circle. Uh, it was an opportunity for a group of us within our church family to honestly share and process what happened a couple Sundays ago. It was for many of us our first experience participating in a setting like that. Now, I wanted to share with you that God really showed up and worked in some amazing ways. It was really uncomfortable at times, and to be honest, it was emotionally and mentally exhausting at other times as well. But there was a deep and profound sense in which many of us felt God facilitating healing in and among us. You know, we say around here that healing is a process. And so even though we didn't sense that the work of healing was complete, we sensed that the Holy Spirit was putting into motion something really profound. And we are hopeful about the future as we continue to navigate these complex waters around issues of racial reconciliation. You know, as a church that is committed to being reconciled in order to be reconcilers, the Peace Circle reminded all of us that this ministry of reconciliation is not a one-time deal. Rather, it is a ministry that is from God, 1 Corinthians 5.18, and with God. And because of that, we can trust that no matter how or how long it takes, the good work that God began will be brought to completion. So I want to personally thank those of you who chose to show up for over two hours to engage in the difficult, costly work of communal healing and restoration. You know, we are at our best new community, and we are, when we are not willing to skirt difficult issues, but with grace, truth, and love, address them. So thank you for sharing honestly hard truth spoken in love. Thank you for modeling Christ-like humility. Thank you for being willing to listen. Thank you for giving and receiving forgiveness where there was hurt and harm. Thank you for reminding us that being a city within a city, an alternate Chicago, is not something that we just talk about but something that we try and live into every single day. So here is where we're going this morning, church. Uh, last week on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrated the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he began an invasion of the future into the present. The hope of Easter is that the power by which God will finally defeat and destroy all sin, evil, suffering, and death, and restore everything at the end of time, has broken into history now. And we are not just beneficiaries of this new creation, but we are called to be agents of this new creation. We are called to make this invisible kingdom visible. And one of the most powerful ways, church, that we participate in the advancement of God's kingdom is prayer. Prayer is the means by which we participate with God in bringing heaven down to earth. 
And no prayer reminds us of this truth more clearly and more powerfully than the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. The center of the Lord's Prayer is this clause, on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are asking God the Father, Oh, Father, bring the reality of heaven down on earth right now, here, today. Church, we need to enlarge our vision of prayer. We don't realize the magnitude of the power of prayer. When we pray, God is granting us the unspeakable privilege of partnering with him in the fulfilling of his purposes in the world. And no prayer has given us that privilege more than the Lord's prayer. As we pray the Lord's prayer, We are joining God in bringing about the realization of his heart's desire for our world. You know, it was life transforming for many of us to engage in the 40-day prayer challenge. What a blessing that was, amen? But I don't want us to stop just because the prayer challenge is over. I mean, I'm praying that the habits that you established during the challenge will be a catalyst for a deeper, richer prayer life going forward. And I'll say it one more time. Our prayers affect the way God acts in the world. God uses our prayer as a means to accomplish his purposes. There is a correlation between our prayers and the unleashing of God's supernatural power that is direct impact on the earthly realm. His name will be hallowed. His kingdom will come. And his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, all in response to the prayers of God's people. So here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to pick up and continue our series on the Lord's Prayer in the coming weeks. More specifically, I will preach on the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread next Sunday. But I decided to call today's sermon interlude. (laughs) An interlude is a transitional moment for an audience to catch their breath between acts, and they're most commonly employed as a pit stop, an opportunity to recalibrate and refocus our years on the bigger picture. An interlude captures perfectly what I want to do today. I want us to recalibrate and refocus. And I love what someone once said about the Lord's Prayer. He said, I used to think that the Lord's Prayer was a short prayer, but as I live longer and see more of life, I believe there's no such thing as getting through it. If a man or a woman in praying the Lord's Prayer were to be stopped by every word until he had thoroughly prayed it, it would take him a lifetime. And man, that's so true, you guys. There's so much packed into these 57 words. That's it in Greek. And so given that it's uh, been a while since we've studied the Lord's Prayer together, and given that there's a a natural break, as we'll see at this point, in the Lord's Prayer between the first three petitions where we've been and the second three petitions, I want to catch us up sort of on where we've been, and then I'm going to do something that I've been wanting to do in this sermon series, 
which is we're actually going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? We're going we're to take some time at the end. See, the challenge is that the Lord's Prayer is so familiar that we just sort of rattle off these words, right? And then often don't take the time to truly consider the words and take to heart what it is that we're praying. So as we pray together at the end today, I'm going to give all of us some space and time to think on each word, on each phrase of each petition. All right, so I hope you're ready to go. Open your Bibles with me as we look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 6 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is a certain order here in the Lord's Prayer, and the order tells us a great deal about the essence of prayer. You have to follow the order here, or you rip up the fabric of prayer. Well, what is the order? Well, the Lord's Prayer begins with the basis for prayer, which is what? Our Father in heaven. Followed by the petitions, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as we've talked about, the first half has nothing to do with my daily bread, my guilt, or my anger towards people. Or the strength that I need to face daily challenges, right? The focus is not on our needs, but on our provider. See, Jesus taught us to pray this way because he knew that this isn't how we normally pray. So much of our praying is about my needs. And as a result, we barely look beyond my needs to the one who has promised to provide all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. See, we totally miss the one who promised, seek my kingdom first and all of these things will be added unto you. So the first thing that I do in prayer is, check this out, I'm noticing God. I'm rejoicing in God. I'm delighting in God. I am adoring my heavenly Father. You know, a while back, I, I preached on the Lord's Prayer and someone came up to me and shared this. She said, you know, my prayer life was just me asking God for things. And strangely enough, afterwards, I always felt worse. Because I realized that all I did in praying was just rehearse what I was angry about, what I was anxious about, what I was bitter about, what I was obsessed about. So I decided one day to just spend 80% just thinking about who God was and what God had done in my life. And by the time I was done doing that, I just said, God, you already know, don't you? So here, take it. And she said something I'll never forget. She said, for the first time in my life, Pastor Peter, I actually understood what prayer was all about. 
Is it any wonder that Jesus says, I want you to start with these words. Our Father in heaven. Say that with me. Our Father in heaven. Jesus says, begin with the basis for prayer. I want you to start by remembering and bringing into the depths of your soul who it is that you're praying to. He's your father. He is your Abba. He is your daddy, your papa. By the virtue of your faith and trust in Jesus. And you're his son. You're his daughter. And everything that comes with that. He loves you, child of God, more than you will ever know. He showed you how much he loves you on the cross. He's not stingy. He's gracious and he is so kind and he has good intentions for you. He cares about you and your needs. You can't pray about a problem that he doesn't already know and care about. He invites you to come talk to him in prayer about them because he knows what you need. He wants to give us good gifts that bring glory to him and good to us. Child of God, start here. Sit here on these words. Our Father, as long as it takes. Because when you understand this, instead of going, well, well what's the point of praying if God already knows? Instead, you go, he knows. He cares. He's on it. He's in charge. He's in control. He's sovereign. And this is good news. And you begin to approach prayer and you begin to say, I want to pray because my heavenly father knows. And you begin to understand why it is that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Listen, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Listen, if my imperfect sinful heart is so bound up with the joy of my children that their joy is my joy, how much more is our heavenly Father's heart bound up with your joy, child of God? He is driven by a greater passion for your joy than any parent on earth. Our Heavenly Father delights in answering our prayers, not because we're good, but because He is good. He is a good, good, heavenly Father. Now, if you truly believe this, that He is your Father who is for you, who loves you, who desires your good, how would this change your prayer life? And if this really sunk in, would your response be different to that unanswered prayer? Would, you, would your response be different when God says no, or for some of us, not now? 
And our Father has promised to supply all of our needs. That means what we don't have now, we don't need now. Our Father never denies us our heart's desire except to give us something better. Amen? So come on, plunge yourself into the fullness of who He is. Our Father, until your heart is dazzled by who He is, until your heart is melted by the truth of who He is. You know, most of us say, you know, I believe, Pastor Peter, that God loves me. Then, then, then along comes criticism or rejection or a relationship breakup or failure. And you're devastated and you're falling apart. Why? Because you believe God loves you, but his love isn't real to your heart. It's just an abstraction. So stay at our Father. Our Father until the truth of who he is and what he has done has gripped your heart until it becomes real to you. Because then you can pray the rest of this prayer, right? It's when you understand that he is my father, you will want to pray, hallowed be your name. Father, I want your name to be cherished, esteemed, treasured, made holy in my life and in the world around me. Father, it's the only name that can truly satisfy the longing of all of our hearts. It's when you understand he is my father that you will want to pray. Let your kingdom come, Father. Not my tiny little kingdom, but your kingdom. And Father, yes, let your will be done. What's on your heart? Because I'm surrendering all that I have and all that I am for you. And even when we get to our needs, we can pray with boldness and confidence that God will provide our daily bread, forgiveness for our sins, and deliverance from temptation. Why? Because he is my father. Our father in heaven. Then hallowed be your name. Cause your name, and God's name has to do with God's character, his attributes, his reputation. God, cause your name to be esteemed, to be valued, and to be honored. And church, we esteem and we value and we honor his name to the degree that we enhance his reputation. It's a declaration of Isaiah in Isaiah 26, 8. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown. Renown, the condition of being known or talked about by many people. In other words, reputation. God, your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. At the heart of this petition is that God's name, his reputation, his fame be enhanced in all the world and in our lives. Now, some of us have heard sermons in the past where the application of this went something like this, right? You, you, you bear the name of God. So be holy as he is holy. Don't dishonor God's name. Don't bring shame to God's name. Don't go anywhere God wouldn't go and do things that God wouldn't do. Don't bring disrepute or dishonor to God's holy name. 
And that preached really well in some of our churches we grew up in, right? It's the, it's the gospel of sin management or sin avoidance. Now, let me be really, really clear. Amen. And of course, there is a sense in which we hallow God's name by avoiding sin and not doing certain things that would bring disrepute or dishonor to God's holy name. But man, I've reminded you guys all of these years that the Christian life isn't just about saying no to certain things or no to sin and temptation, but saying yes. Yes to something. Yes to something more beautiful. Yes to something more glorious. It's about saying yes to Jesus. You see, hallowing God's name, enhancing God's reputation, it's not just about making sure that we don't tarnish his name, but that we glorify his name, that we magnify his name. Not like a microscope, which makes small things look bigger, but like a telescope, which brings massively big things into view. So that prayer, hallowed be your name, is praying, Father, cause all the world, all created things to see you for who you really are. That your ultimate beauty, your ultimate wisdom, your ultimate security, your ultimate truth, your ultimate love, and that we would adore you and obey you. Father, this is the main thing, the only thing that I want my life to be about. In everything I do and say, I want your reputation, your glory, and your fame to be enhanced so that who you are and what you have done will be praised, honored, exalted, magnified, revered, and adored on earth as it is in heaven. And that's so powerful. Christian, hallowed be your name really is the key to everything. I am pleading with you that hallowing God's name in your life become the all-consuming passion of your heart. I'm urging you from the Lord's Prayer that you do go to God for bread, forgiveness, overcoming besetting sins to advance His kingdom and to doing His will, all for the purpose of hallowing His name. I want you to live so that both your heart and other hearts hallow, esteem, reverence, and treasure the name of God in all things. Man, it starts with me. But it's a global prayer. But it starts right here. Because see, when I wake up in the morning, I don't know about you, but I'm not hallowing God's name. I'm thinking about my problems and my needs. And they seem so much bigger than God, don't they? And so it's, it's so easy to rush past this prayer and immediately jump to God. God, give me my bread. So the first thing I ask the Father, Father, help me hallow your name. And to make his name and renown the desire of my heart. Then I seek his kingdom and I do his will all to the hallowing of his name. Hallowed be your name. Then your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. 
If praying hallowed be your name is the most important thing we can do, to pray this petition is the most radical thing we can do. Amen? Because we're asking God to bring about the most massive revolution imaginable. Prayer is rebelling against the evil status quo, the disorder of the world. When God created the world, he didn't create it to be filled with injustice, racism, sickness, death, disease, and hunger. God hates oppression, injustice, poverty, pain, suffering. And the good news is that in Jesus, God came to do something about it. All of history is heading towards a climactic end where God will establish his kingdom, his rule and reign, rule without rival, destroy Satan and along with him all evil and justice and sin and make everything right and new. And when you and I pray, let your kingdom come, we are praying, do that now, Father. Hear, Father. Reverse the effects of sin. Restore broken humanity, Father. Come reign without rival in all the earth. This petition is a frontal assault on the evil one and the kingdom that he is attempting to establish in rebellion against the kingdom of God. Christian, don't you underestimate this. The more we pray this prayer, the better our world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. We do violence against sin, injustice, poverty, racism. When we pray, let your kingdom come. We invade enemy territory. We set the oppressed free. We push back the forces of darkness when we pray, let your kingdom come. We experience God's glorious future in the present when we pray, let your kingdom come. Man, and to pray this prayer is also to pray that his kingdom will grow through us and in us. We pray for God's kingdom to come and then we rise up from our knees to meet the challenge. When we pray, let your kingdom come, we're committing ourselves, church, to manifesting it in our world we're saying, prayer of Isaiah, here am I, send me, use me to be an answer to my prayer. King Jesus, through me, make yourself real in my part of the world. Make me an instrument of your peace and justice and compassion and mercy and love and righteousness. And yes, Father, make us your church, your church, a clear and engaging sign that the future is breaking into the present. Grant that when the city looks at us, when the city looks at us, the church, it sees you and your new world order. King Jesus, do through us what you did when you walk the earth. Through us, heal the sick. Through us, free captives. Through us, reconcile enemies. Raise the dead to newness of life. And through us, make your invisible kingdom visible. Let your kingdom come. And yes, Father, grow your kingdom, not just through us, but what? In us. And we pray, let your kingdom come. We're asking God to expand his rule over the territory of our lives and hearts, church. The prayer for his kingdom to come, his rule and reign to come, is not just about cosmic events. It's an invitation to embrace his kingdom in every aspect of our lives. 
It's an invitation to embrace his rule over every sphere of our lives so that in relationships, money, time, career, marriage, ministry, we're saying, God, I want you to reign. I want you to sit on the throne. God, I want you to have full authority over all these areas of my life. Because if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all. King Jesus, what would you like to see happen? King Jesus, what would you like me to do in this area? Christian, let God have your life. He can do way more with it than you can. Let your kingdom come. And then lastly, the third petition, which is what? Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And if we're honest, isn't this the prayer we most want to circumvent? You know, because every single day you get up, whether you realize it or not, there is a battle. Man, there is a battle being waged inside your heart. And that's, am I going to do my will today? Or am I going to do his will today? Is this going to be about me or is this going to be about God? Will prayer be an effort to convince God to grant my desires or for him to plant his desires in me? This petition reminds us that the whole purpose of prayer is not that we would bend God's will to meet ours, but that we would meld and soften our will into God's. Prayer is you and I put your heart, your will, like metal into a fire, into the fiery furnace of God's love and truth until it becomes soft so that it can be shaped into the same shape as God's will. The order of prayer is before I get to my needs and my wants and my desires, Father, your will be done. Father, I will obey everything you say in your word, even if I don't like it or agree with it. And I will accept everything you send into my life, even though I don't understand it. They send there, go, well, well why, why should we pray your will be done? Here's why. Because his will is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. Romans 2, 12, 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Check this out. His what? Good. His pleasing and his perfect will. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I sensed from God as I was preparing Somebody listening this morning needs to hear this. Child of God, it wasn't God's will that your wife got cancer. It wasn't God's will that your dad died of COVID. It wasn't God's will that your parents got divorced. I am so sorry. If somebody listening today was told that someone's death, loss, or tragedy was God's will. Because here's the truth. Your father's will is for your good and not your harm. 
Your father's will is for your flourishing and not your demise. Your father's will is to somehow take all the horrible, tragic things that happen in your life and in our world and bring good out of it, redemption out of it, light and salvation out of it. Your Father's will is to conform you into the fullness and likeness of His Son, Jesus. Your Father in heaven has a will, a good and perfect will for you, for me, and for our world. And so when we pray, your will be done, we are praying, Father, fulfill all your good pleasures and accomplish all your good purposes on earth as it is in heaven. Is this good news? Listen, somebody listening this morning is at a crossroads. It could be about a relationship, a career, marriage, or ministry. But, but you're lost, man. You are confused. You're so frustrated because you have no idea what you need to do. And here's my question for you. Why are you doing everything but getting into the presence of God and asking him to show you what his will is? Come on. Your father is for you. He intends your good. And your father doesn't play hide and seek. He loves to show you what his will is. So child of God, stop whatever you've been doing and pray, Father, your will be done. Whatever you ask, the answer is yes, Father. Then I guarantee you, God will speak to you clearly. You see, when you and I want to do the will of God more than anything else, more than completing your education, more than getting married, more than living in a place of our preference, or more than getting this job over that, when you want to do the will of God more than anything, I'm telling you, your Father will speak to you. Your Father will show you His will. How long does it take to pray that prayer? I'll tell you how long it takes. It all depends on whether you are, where you are with your Heavenly Father. See, in Gethsemane, Jesus recognized what God's will was, and he struggled. But you remember? He said, I'm going to stay here on my knees until I can say, not my will, but yours be done. Length of your prayer is not determined by the willingness of your God. The length of your prayer should be determined by the condition of our hearts. Are you willing to stay on your knees until your heart can say, not my will, but yours be done? Prayer is a way of surrendering. I, I don't know, Father. Your will be done. I don't know what's going on, but I know you do. And you're my heavenly Father, I know you're going to answer if it's good for me, but if not, your will be done. God, be God. Be God in my life. Be the one eternal, all-knowing Father who loves me more than I love myself. Your will is nothing but you, Father, in my life. So God, be God. Your will be done.
the greatest thing, someone said, that anyone can do for God and man is pray. It is not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people today are the people who pray. And I do not mean those who talk about prayer, or those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who can explain prayer, but I mean those people who actually take the time to pray. So that's what we're going to do, church. We're going to pray. So as I invite us and lead us into this time of praying, as I mentioned earlier, as we pray, we're going to pray through just the first section of the Lord's Prayer. And as we do, I want you to pray it slowly. And I want you to focus on the words, okay? And I want to even invite you to maybe even pause after each word and phrase and take in what those words mean. And ask, what do, what do these words mean in your life today? What do you want them to mean? Where, where do these words encourage you? And where do they challenge you? And maybe even, where do you struggle to live these prayers out? How do you need God's help as you seek to live into each petition, each prayer? So church, get comfortable, close your eyes, and I want you to, I want you to gather your heart, And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us and guide us through each petition. And after giving some space for you to pray on your own, I will come back and lead us actually into a corporate prayer that we will all pray together. And you are, of course, welcome to use your own words as we pray that prayer, but just as a, as a guide for all of us. And as we begin, we start by remembering who we're praying to, okay? Let's start by bringing into the depths of our soul who we're praying to. This, Jesus said, is how you should pray. First, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. What do those words mean right now in your life? What do you want those words to mean? How are you encouraged? How are you challenged? As the Holy Spirit leads you, tell your Heavenly Father what's on your heart.
I want you to pray this prayer with me and you'll see it on your screen. Father, Abba, you are the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All creation bows to you, but you are also our good, good Father who loves us and wants an intimate relationship with us. Remind us today that we aren't just praying to a distant, powerful king. We're praying to the loving, tender Father who knows us fully and loves us deeply. Help us to become aware of your fatherhood. Amen. And now we pray our first petition. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And again, think, what do those words mean in your life today? Is your praise welling up in your heart for who he is and what he has done? Then praise him and tell him, adore him. But is there an area where you struggle to live this out? How do you need God's help as you seek to live into this prayer? As the Holy Spirit leads, tell your Heavenly Father honestly. Church, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. You are sovereign, holy, unchanging, and eternal, ruler over all creation. Lord, you are our wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present God. By my side, through whatever life brings, you are faithful and loving, lavishing me with your grace and mercy, even in my sinfulness. Cause your name to be esteemed, valued, treasured, honored, and adored here on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name forever and ever. Next petition is your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What do those words mean 
right now in your life today? What do you want them to mean? How are you encouraged? Where do they challenge you? Are there areas in which you are struggling to live this out? How do you need God's help as you seek to live into this prayer? Your kingdom come. with me. Heavenly Father, I submit myself to you as the ruler of my life. God, I want you to reign. I want you to sit on the throne. I want you to have full authority over all the areas of my life. All I have is yours, King Jesus. Establish your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Restore broken humanity and rule without rival. Make me an instrument of your peace, justice, compassion, mercy, love, righteousness. Through us, make your invisible kingdom visible. Lord, let your kingdom And finally, let your will be done. Let your will be done. What do those words mean right now? What do you want them to mean? Is there an area where you're struggling to live this out? Might the Holy Spirit be bringing specific things to mind? An area that you have not surrendered and not submitted? Ask God to help as you seek to live into this prayer. Your Church, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I praise your holy name. I pray for your will to be done in my life and in this world, for your way to rule here on earth as it does in heaven. I'm not in control, Lord. You are. Even though that's often hard for me to admit, and accept. I am releasing what comes next into your hands, O oh Lord, and trusting you fully. 
I want to step into whatever path you lay before me, even when it looks different from what I thought I wanted. For I know you have bigger plans for my life, so I submit my life to your will. I will trust and obey you with an eager and joyful heart. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.